All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on a Friday episode of Dropping the Gloves. Tim's here, just finished breakfast, just been telling me he's going heavy on the protein this week. Tim, why? What's what's with the protein attack, Tim? Why are you going heavy on the sausage and bacon and chicken and fish? What's going on? Not not this week. It's been like probably two months now. Just wow. upping big time, like a hundred grams at least a day. Just Is that a in. lot? Hundred grams? I'm not a big. Uh, is that like how, a, how many ounces is that? A chicken breast is 25 um, grams. Yep. So, yeah, between chicken and sausage and eggs and protein shakes and steaks and ground beef and just mixing everything up. And now you never yeah. answered my question why. You just said, well, protein's good for you. Protein's typically been known to build muscle mass. Are you working out these days, Tim? <laughs> Yeah, of course. But also it helps you. It of helps course, he keep, says. Of course. It helps lean down, too. If you're exercising and eating more protein, you're also leaning down. It's not only for bulking. It just does. It's everything for you. It does everything. It's expensive these days with inflation. It is. I buy those big, those big packs of chicken. There's got like a seven or eight breasts in it. And I'll just go through a whole week. And you portion them off and you freeze the, the excess no, good. I go through it too quickly. I don't, I don't freeze it. You don't freeze any of it. Interesting. How do you cook it? Just, just on the stove, salt and pepper or bake it. Here's what I do. I, I, I'll cook like two or three bre- uh, breasts on a Sunday or Monday. And then, and then I just, um, shred it. And then yeah. I just like, I have it like ready to go and throw in like a salad or stir fry for a quick meal. Well then depending on the, what I'm eating, I'll also cook it on the stove or the skillet or whatever. And so it's good to have options, you know, smart, smart. You know what I'm having for lunch today? DoorDash. Three, three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I'm excited for them. I haven't had a good PB and J in a while, but I made them this morning and I was like, I'm going for it. I'm going full grade three peanut butter and jelly. I got a granola bar and I have a bag of chips. I I just went my kid's lunch route. I'm like, I'm, I'm going for it. We don't eat meat on Fridays. It's a, it's a lifestyle choice, Catholic. Don't judge me. But, yeah, we're going for it today. All right. 
You know who else went for it, Tim? The Avs. What a game. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get down to this. And nobody wants to hear about your protein uptick. I do. I agree. Nobody else does. I do. I'm interested by that. I went to Costco yesterday. Let me just touch on this. So we have a Costco membership. Obviously, we've got six kids, one on the way, which, by the way, that is vastly approaching. Another funny story about Father's Day is coming up. So my wife wanted to surprise me. She, she buys this massive tent, and her idea was, and it got spoiled, her idea was to set this tent up in the backyard and have like the girls out there with breakfast Father's Day morning. A very sweet idea. The tent's at the start of our driveway. You've been to my house. My driveway is like a good mile, half a mile long. So the tent's at the the beginning of my driveway. I'm driving home from work. I I see this massive box. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? I pick it up, throw it in the back of the the van. I'm driving the van now. The tent weighed 200 pounds. And my wife's like, oh, you found the tent. I'm like, do you think you were going to be able to lift up this box that weighed 200 pounds Set this tent up without me knowing Father's Day morning. The tent, Tim, is a 20-foot diameter tent. It is 16 feet at its highest peak. It's one of those yurts. And I'm like, how much did this thing cost? She told me the price. I'm like, we're taking it back. It was was $1,500 for a tent. And it's a beautiful tent. And I don't know if I'm going to take it back just yet because it's a great tent. But it's like, I'm not going to take this camping and break it down and like, oh, away we go to the next campsite. It is like, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful tent. But I'm like, you really think you're going to be able to set that up and then make me breakfast without me knowing? Like, you, you guys can't even like have a quiet fart in this house without me knowing. I, I know everything around here. <laughs> don't try this again. But it was very sweet. And I ruined Father's Day. So, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got there. But yeah, so game two was last. Wait, wait, wait. Costco. What happened at Costco? Oh, yeah. Protein. So I go there and I, I do. I like to go to Costco. What I don't like is how the prices have changed. Like I go to buy, we get these ground beef packs. It's three packs of Australian organic ground beef. It's delicious. I love it for my hamburgers. Typically, it's $3.99 a pound, $5.99 a pound now. So a three pack is is. 25 bucks and i'm just like what are we doing and what they do is they have those three packs and then right next to it they do the costco special where it's like 88 percent lean 18 percent fat and that's only like 23 dollars for eight pounds oh my gosh should i do it because we were making lasagna and i so i just bought the garbage stuff i said i'm gonna i'm gonna do it and so i broke down but yeah everything's going through the roof here thanks a lot joe biden just really killing it here in the united states for us well it's because of russia it's not because of russia you're a terrible president all right moving on speaking of that I got, I have to say, thank you. I got, I got a nice tweet from a friend of the show. I like when our fans reach out. I like when they interact with us. I don't want to, I don't want to rush past this, but Jimmy M Jimmy M sent me a nice tweet friend of the show. He said, Hey, at John Scott underscore 32, you heard you can get COVID from cooking your own food. Get the F out of here with that BS be better or lose listeners. I love when people are so cool like that. Jimmy M, it, it makes my day. So thank you for listening. And you can just kick rocks, bud. Like, get a sense of humor. Did you see that, Tim? Yeah. Uh, I, it must be someone new to the show that don't understand your sense of humor yet. You know what I mean? There's no way that someone could not could miss that joke completely unless it was their so dumb. Episode. So dumb, Jimmy. You're so dumb. If you don't know that I'm joking, if you honestly think 
that I think you can get COVID by cooking your own food and you don't connect the dots that it's a DoorDash ad. Like, come on, man. Like, let's, let's go. Make sense. People are so touchy, so touchy still. I heard you can get COVID by looking at the sun. So don't look at the sun. Are you going to get like, it's so dumb. I heard you can get COVID by getting a hummingbird feeder, by the way, back to my hummingbird. We're totally off topic here. I was watering my Friday. I was watering my garden yesterday. So I planted a garden, went all out zucchinis, peppers, beans, lots of tomatoes. We got some squash, eggplant, lots of great stuff. Herbs. I got some thyme. I got some rosemary. I got some basil, all kinds of stuff. It's a big garden. I'm watering it. Who comes over to say hello? My little hummingbird friend hovers right in front of me, Tim, for at least five to six seconds. And you know the sound they make? You know the sound they make? Uh, Sounds like a pack of bumblebees because their wings go so fast. I'm just like, hey, bud, thanks for saying hi. And I I honestly think he was coming by to be like, bro, thanks for the feeder. I needed that because he's there all the time. He's there all the time. So uh, we need it. You got to name him. No, I'm not like that. I'm not not one of those guys. I'm not one of those people. We got to name our car. We got to name our house. We got to name Harry. No, I'm Harry the hummingbird. It's a hummingbird. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be that weird guy talking to my hummingbird. But I was I was like, this is cool. He's sitting there hovering. And there's such like a, a skittish animal where they're gone if they even get a sense of any kind of movement. And he sat there. He came to meet him. He came over to me. And I was just watering my tomatoes. Oh, man. It's, it's just, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Just, just so you know, from now on, when you talk about the hummingbird, in my head, we're going to be talking about Harry. That's, that's what's going on. He's Harry. Now. I don't like that name in general. You know what else? A name I really don't like, but I always use to make fun of people is Gary. And I've been growing to like it. Gary. Gary. All right. Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> Game two. You know, I, I, I was expecting a bounce back. Typically, the Oilers, they have slow starts to series. And a game one, you know, it, it's hard to judge two teams based on a game one. There's a feeling out process. These two teams, they hadn't seen each other in a few months. So we didn't know what to expect. A lot changes. And so game one, we kind of throw that out. That That's an outlier usually in a series. Games two through potentially seven are the games where you really get to know the teams. The coaches have a time to adjust. The players get used to the pace. The players get used to your tendencies. So I was expecting more out of the Edmonton Oilers. They finished game three strong. They came back. They were playing with confidence. McDavid looked good. Drysdale looked good. The supporting cast looked good. Ryan looked really good. Yamamoto was playing well. I was expecting that to carry over into game two. Flash forward, drop the puck. My first impact impression of this game was, why did we break up the the big line? Why, why did he break up 97-29 and Kane? I, I don't understand why Woody would do that, but to start the game, it was a Nuge, it was Dreinsidel, and it was Yamamoto on the right side. That shocked me. I, I don't understand that. Do you? Why would you think he would do that? They put up seven goals or six goals six, the game before? Yeah. Why do that if you're the head coach and you outplayed Colorado in that third period? Why rock the boat? I, I don't understand the reasoning behind that. And he stuck with it the whole game. And then they had Kane with 97 and Hyman. I just don't get the reasoning there. Why do you think he did it? 
I mean, you still you let up eight goals, and you can't really blame the forwards heavily for that. But I think it probably had to do with matchups and trying to match up against Colorado's lines, who had the last change. Uh, didn't work, whatever it was. It didn't work last night. That's what we know. Yeah, the typical idea there, if, you, if you're trying to match lines and you're trying to get the matchup, is you separate your top guys, and then whatever, whenever you get the matchup, you put McDavid out there. So just see so you're trying to get McDavid against away from Kadri's line, or you're trying to get him away from a certain line. Whatever line McDrinsidle gets out there with, and that's a good matchup, then you get McDavid out there. But he wasn't doing that. Like this, this was the lineup that he went with. I, I don't think it was a good move. I, I think you scored enough goals last game. You said in your post game conference, you scored enough goals. The problem wasn't the forward group. It was the defense. It was the goaltender. It was just our execution. So I, I don't like that move right off the bat for Edmonton. I think you stay to your strength. You stay to that first line who got you through the Calgary series. They won you last, that last series. As good as the rest of the three lines were, let's not you know lose sight of why we won that series. It was those two top dogs, and Kane was just riding shotgun, picking up the trash in front of the net. So I think that was a mistake out of the gate. And I feel like... The avalanche adjusted. The avalanche adjusted. We talk about coaching. We talk about how Daryl Sutter did not adjust in the Calgary series. He just kept playing his same style, kept playing the old school way. We're going to roll four lines. This is how we're going to play. Bedner's a different, co- different coach. He, he saw the game one. They won the game. Great. They made a lot of mistakes. Defensively, they were terrible. They made a lot of poor choices with the puck. So he knew exactly how to neutralize the Oilers this game. Last game, the Oilers scored five of their six goals through the middle. They entered through the middle. They distributed. They went back to the middle. They controlled the middle of the ice. This game, the puck never went to the middle of the ice. In the neutral zone, they funneled everything to the outside. Everything was from the outside. They tried to bring it to the middle. Couldn't get anything going. The, The Avalanche played much better defensively. Josh Manson was better. McCarr was better. All these guys were way better. And it was because their forwards were backtracking. They were clogging up the middle of the ice. And when you give McDavid time and space in the middle of the ice, and he can go left, he can go right, he can go straight, he's a dangerous player. Same goes for even Kane. Kane, when he gets going, he's a dangerous player. Same goes for Giant Settle. When you take away two-thirds of the ice and you force them to play the outside, they're a drastically different team. And that's what Colorado did last time. I think, I think Bedner had a game plan. He's like, when they come to the neutral zone, we're going to force them. We're going to give them one lane. We'll give it to them. And then we're going to shut it off. We're going to slowly close. It's like a canal. The doors are closing. We're going to give them one way for the water to go. And then we're going to pinch them off. And they did it all, all night. And that's why you saw, saw they didn't have any zone time. They didn't have any good entrances into the zone. Anytime they got a chance, it was from a scramble behind the net. It was from a, a cluster, a bouncing puck, and then they got it out front and they got a good shot. Other than that, Tim, I, I didn't see the Oilers getting any good offensive chances all night. And it's because the adjustments of Colorado. I thought it was a masterful game plan by Bedner, don't you? I do. And it worked. And Edmonton only had 24 shots on net the entire night. And we thought that, uh, by the way, the goal with Hender's name, we've been saying it wrong. I still don't know the answer. I was saying Frank Coos. Someone tweeted at me saying it's Francois, but I don't think that's right either. I think it's Francis, Francis, uh, whatever, whoever his name is, played really well last night. I think we were thinking that, okay, with Kemper down, Francis played pretty well in, in the, at the second half of game one, but maybe he's the, the, the weak point entering game two if the Oilers want to take advantage of having the backup goalie. And, and he played well. He, he stopped everything he needed to stop. And, and the Oilers, I think, you know, he 
given the, the avalanche system and the adjustment that Bednar made, it was good enough to limit the chances on Francis and Francis stopped everything sent his way. So it was a good game overall by those guys. Yeah. He's a good goaltender. Joe Sackick signed him for a reason. He let, uh, gosh, what's the guy in Seattle now? Who, what's his name? Uh, Grubauer. He let Grubauer walk. He knew, I'm just going to call him Pavel. He knew this guy was good. He, he's a, he's a serviceable backup. He's a 32 year old guy. He played a bunch of time overseas. He was in the Czech Republic for a long time. He played all over, mostly in the Czech Republic, but then he came over to the USA, gosh, in 18, 19, I think. And he's just, he's, he's a serviceable backup. He does his job. He doesn't get flustered. He, he was well, he played really good last night, but he didn't make any great saves. He made the saves he had to make. He was just a steady as she go goaltender. And this is why I said last show, I don't think Darcy Kemper moves the needle that much for the avalanche. They have a good enough team where it's like, okay, you don't need a star goaltender. You don't need a Shesterkin like the Rangers need a Shesterkin. They need that goaltender in New York if they have any chance of moving on because they're not as good as Colorado is. They're getting there. We'll get to them in a second. But, yeah, he played good, saved the puck that he needed to save, and then you look across the ice to a Mike Smith. I told you they should have started Koskin. Did it not? I said that. Nobody – oh, easy. I went on the Oilers podcast last night with those guys. I was arguing the same point where Koskinen overall is a better goaltender. He's bigger, he's quicker, he's more confident. When he's on his game, he's a very, very good goaltender. We saw it in the regular season when he ripped off like 11 or 12 wins in a row. But when he's bad, he's very, very bad. Mike Smith, to me, looks lost. He doesn't look confident. He's not tracking the puck well. Pucks are going by him. Even when a puck hits him, he doesn't know where it is. He's frantically slapping the puck out of the out of the crease area. A lot of times, he, he doesn't look like he is a confident goaltender out there. And we saw last night. Right from the drop of the puck, yes, he played good in the first period. He did not look like he was – as a goaltender, you want the puck to hit you and to stick. You want to be sticky. That's what we call it. He's not sticky. He's leaky. The puck hits him, he's dropping, he's looking around, he doesn't know where it is. It's an issue. And we saw it last night. He had some weak goals against. So let's, let's go through the goals here real quick. Because, gosh, it wasn't just Mike Smith, Tim. Darnell Nurse. What are we doing here? I was all over. I was in love with this guy last year. He was playing great. He was up in the rush. He was back defensively. He was putting up points. And yes, he's got a good plus minus this, this offseason, this postseason, excuse me. He looked bad. He looked really bad. First goal, his fault. The Nuge passes it back to Darnell, maybe surprises him. Still, you have three guys back, four guys back. Avalanche are changing. They're just trying to you know, D to forward back to D. He tries to go D to D to CC. CC misses it. Avalanche get the puck. It's one nothing. It's such a bad goal. It's such an incredibly bad goal for the Oilers. It's a for a good start to give up that goal. Do you think Smith should have had that lightning lightning and tip set, but still was far enough out? Maybe he should have been in position, or is that is that a decent goal for the Av- Avalanche? It was a good goal. I mean, they, they capitalized on a bad turnover by Norris there, like you said. And and I, when I first saw it, I thought, man, Smith's going to have that. He was – Kadri was way up in the in the, in the the slot. But it was a really good tip by Lakin, and so I, I kind of understand him not making that. And then what – literally the puck drops after that goal, and the announcers are talking about how that goal went down. He, he said something like, you know, you make one bad pass, you might get away with it. You make two bad passes in a row, and that's where the other team scores, and that's exactly what happened. And while they're saying that, the Avalanche score again. And again, it's it's another bad play by the defense. Yes, it's an aggressive forecheck by the Avalanche. Like on Nurse again, you either have to eat it and live to play another day, or you have to have a strong player on the boards. You can't just pass your problem to the next guy. And that, again, 
I'm sure a lot of you listeners have played. You've been harped on this many, many times. It's called passing the buck. You're just, okay, here's my grenade. You take it. You do something with it because I'm not going to do it. You're giving it to a guy in a bad spot in a more dangerous position in the ice. And you're saying, I don't know what to do with it here. Take it. I'm out of here. And that was Darnell nurse on this play. You eat the puck, you take the hit and you roll off of it and you go behind the net and you make the play coming out the other side. He passes this problem on, goes up the boards, gets out to Josh Manson. And this is where Mike Smith, my goodness, it's a point shot. No screen point shot, track the puck goes over your pad under your glove. Save the stinking puck. And this is where if I'm the Oilers, I'm like, why are we doing this again? It's every single game. It's every single game with him. Every single game, he lets up a bad goal. And it's like, here we go. Now we're down to nothing. And we're, we're behind the eight ball again. Like we have to come back again. It's so frustrating. If I'm sitting there on the Edmonton Oilers bench, it should be zero, zero, two bad mistakes, a bad, bad play from the goaltender and a bad play from Darnell nurse. And, and it's two, nothing against, and it happened in 15 seconds and the game's over. Potentially it's so bad, Tim, so bad. Yeah. But again, this is, this is, I don't know. The, the Oilers couldn't get it out of their own zone. And it's so like the, the, the avalanche forecheck is so good. That's what happened with that first nurse turnover. And the second one, they dump it in. It should be like, Ride it back out the other way. And then they force it in the corner and someone made a play back to Manson. Manson obviously scored. And you can see that that aggressive forecheck is really too much for the Oilers to handle. They can't get out of their own zone. And that's why they scored two goals in 15 seconds. And they're about to score another here too. Oh my gosh. And so this is where, okay. Our game plan shot the Oilers. They, they went in with a game plan. They're a little more passive. They're a little more controlled. That's out the window. We can't play that way. Smith is brutal. We have to open things up. We got to go. We got to score goals. Let's get after it. That's why Bouchard's pinching on this play. It's a rush. McDavid loses control of this. Bouchard has a choice. Can he bail and go back and play defense? Or can he continue the rush, continue the offensive attempt, and really try to score a goal? He goes in, dives in. He has no business diving in. The puck goes up the boards. Vander Kane, terrible defensive player, terrible defensive play. Doesn't even take a man. Just It's kind of leaning against the boards. It's like, you're an idiot. They're just going to chip it all past you. They do. They go down two to one. Kadri makes an average pass. An average pass across the ice to Rantanen. I don't know what Darnell Nurse is doing. You're not blocking the lane by lying down there. You can't control your stick. You're lying on the ice. You're doing nothing. Kadri's pass goes right under his stick. It's a bad pass by Kadri. If Nurse is playing the way he should and standing on his two feet, he picks it off with his stick and they're going the other way. He doesn't. He makes a mistake. They go. It gets across. Ranton and he's empty net. Not Mike Smith's fault. That is totally on the players. It's on Bouchard. It's three goals in two minutes. The game's over. When Colorado gets going, it, it, it's like it's an avalanche. You know what I mean? It's like it's like an avalanche, and you can't fight against it. You know what you do if you are in an avalanche? You got to swim like you're in water. Do you know that? I didn't. No. So if you're ever in an avalanche. And this is a little tip for my listeners. You swim like you're in the pool and you try to just keep swimming up. And that's all you got to do. And then you work your way to the top. That's that's I've been you in a swim few avalanches. Up. Swim. Well, yeah, you're not going to swim against, down against the avalanche. No, like you're swimming up towards the sky. So no matter oh, where oh. you are, you're swimming. I'm guessing you're going with the. Yeah, you're not going to fight the avalanche. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Swimming up. Like, wait a minute. And you kick and you move your legs. And then as soon as you feel like you can't go anymore, you extend your arms out and you make yourself as big as possible. So you can dig snow out around you when you, when you're stationary, you don't want to ball your hands up because it's harder to push out than it is to dig the snow in from around your body. There you go. We're saving lives here. We're saving lives on dropping the gloves. All right. Fourth goal, power play goal. 
you got to get a note if you're Ryan. I don't, I don't want to beat these goals to death, but it's another bad goal. My word. It's, it's just, it's just a shot. Smith, he, he loses his glove. McKinnon one-timer. It's just like, you got to get that puck out three of the four goals. I, I want to say four of the four goals were either a bad goal or it's preventable. If you're a forward and you're killing a penalty, the puck dribbles out to you there was four, two forwards there for Pete's sake. It was Ryan and somebody else. You have to clear that puck. You have to. And I don't blame Smith on this one. He lost his glove. Kadri, who played a fantastic game, by the way. Nazim Kadri, at this point in the season, could be the Con Smythe candidate. He's playing fantastic for the Colorado Avalanche. But yes, 4 nothing. Game's over. Oilers try to muck it up. They try to get goonish. Kane embarrassed himself. Nurse embarrassed himself. Even Dreinsidel was playing dirty. These guys just try to goon the game up. It's like... Like, lick your wounds and go home. You're not even that tough. It's a joke. But, yeah, Avalanche, from start to finish, Tim, it was a clinic. It was an absolute clinic. What else you got on this game? What other nuggets? Yeah, let me call out a couple of stats here. So, talk about the ice being tilted. The Avalanche had 40 shots on net. The Oilers only had 24. Nathan McKinnon, one person, had 11 shots on goal last night. On the flip side, who's, who would you call the opposite for him, the Oilers? McDavid? Two I would say he would be a good comparison. How many? <laughs> Two. Two. That's that is not good enough. Um, Kadri three assists last night. Big big time playmaker. The two on one was good. The um, the shot on net that got deflected, and then there was another one too. He just looked really good. Another interesting time looking at the the box score. The Avalanche got seven power plays last night, and and they scored four goals. I would assume at least two or three of those were on the power play. Only one. That last one. Um, but I'm, I'd be curious to know, like Oilers fans, people who watch the game, why they got seven power plays and the Oilers only got two. I don't know what the takeaway is there. They're is playing dirty. Just, the crazy is thing is, is? The, one, the one penalty, the Bowen penalty was not even a penalty. It, it should have been a one side of the fair when you got Cassian ripping his helmet off. It, it was a, it was a dirty game for Edmonton. I think they should have gotten more penalties in the third period. They just lost their cool Kane and nurse and Cassian. It, it was. Yeah. Edmonton should have gotten more penalties. If anything else, there, there was not enough power plays for Colorado. It was just an undisciplined game. Leon's got to control a stick nurse and Kane are just babies at this point. They're just whining, going around, losing their cool. That's why Kane's just, yeah, I, it, it was, it was an embarrassment at the end of the game. It's like you lost, you know, take take your poison and on with you. All right, some more stats. McKinnon outshot that whole first line. Kane, Dreinsidel, and McDavid combined. Like you, you they got to get more pucks on the net from those three guys. You have to. All right, Darnell Nurse. We mentioned a dash three. Terrible, awful. You know what's funny? He will be making more money than Kale McCarr for the next five seasons. Isn't that wild? Isn't that crazy? It is. What's his number? Nine, nine point five, nine, two, five. McCarr's at nine. nine two, what five. a deal. Kale McCarr signs that they get him under contract for nine, nine million dollars until 26, 27. It's like, what, what a deal. It's an absolute steal for the, I don't know how they do this. They continue to get these great players to do these good contracts for him. And maybe they didn't think he was going to pan out. McCarr just took a little bit of a cash early. And then the Avalanche knew he was going to be this player, but he was good right out of the gate. Did you see that um, the play last night, McDavid and and had Kale McCarr on a one-on-one and it started from center. Right. So he had like the full 
at point in time, the pickup speed and momentum, you think McDavid burns about 99% of guys in the league. McCarr stayed with him skating backwards and poked it into the corner. Really good play. Not a lot of guys in the league could have done that. Not a lot of guys. McCarr's playing well. He's he's going to be a good one. All right, a couple more stats that I thought was interesting. So you're, you're down 3 nothing. You're pushing. You're the Edmonton Oilers. You got, you got to make a push. There's a period and a half left in play. You got to control the play. What happens? Wrong. Avalanche dominated. Oilers only got seven shots on goal midway through the second period into the third. Avalanche get 22 shots of their own. They have zero chances, no chance for a comeback. The Avalanche absolutely dominated. That to me shows how good the Avs are. When you're supposed to be playing on your heels, when you're supposed to be protecting a lead, you change your game plan mentally as a player. You're like, I don't want to give up more. I don't, I don't want to, you know, give them any life. And so you play a little more passive, not the avalanche. They were on their toes. They were forechecking. The Oilers were just stymied every chance they could get anything going. It was just stopped in its track. They have no prolonged zone time. It was, it was a great game for the avalanche and, Oh, we're going to go to Edmonton. We're, we're going to, you know, turn it around for the Oilers. Don't look now. The abs have not lost on the road. This playoffs. They're five and zero. Oh. They're they're a good team. They're an absolutely good team. Do, do they have any chance, Tim? The Oilers of coming back? I mean, you have to say yes. But and you know, like we said, the series doesn't start till someone loses at home. That's my saying. But it doesn't look good. Do you think this series is over? I agree with you. I think it, it, we could turn around at Edmonton. That's my saying. We could turn it around. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's not looking good for Edmonton. I think of the two series, this one, oof, it has not a good start. Even if the Rangers do win next game, which they rightfully could, I think Tampa Bay still has a very good chance of coming back. I think that first game in this next game, Tampa has shown things to me that I like. Edmonton showed me nothing in game two that I liked, or if I could build on, if I'm a coach, I'm like, let's build on this. There was absolutely nothing. We were undisciplined. We were outworked. Our game plan stunk. We had no zone time. Nothing was good. There was no shining light that we could hang our hat on. Like game one, where we came back and we battled and we showed adversity and we put some pucks behind the goaltender. Nothing, 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 nothing. DoorDash, Tim, why don't you take the read today? Cause I got no good segue to DoorDash today. Talk about protein. Protein. When I need more protein, I fire up DoorDash on my phone. Ding, ding, ding. It's here in 20 minutes. I get a cheeseburger. I get tacos. I get a nice chicken sandwich and little French fries sometimes. Oh. Not, not every day, but on Fridays. I, I've been good this week. So fire up DoorDash, John. Give him the code. If you're in the USA, it's DoorDash US or Gloves DD US. If you're in Canada, <laughs> it's just Gloves DD. That's all it takes. You get 25% off free delivery. It's fantastic. Tim uses DoorDash. I love DoorDash. Get yourself some food and get yourself some protein so you look like Tim one day, if you're lucky. All right. The Rangers Lightning Eastern Conference Finals going into game one. Like I mentioned earlier, game one, it's a feeling old process. You know, who, who was this team I'm looking across the ice at? How are we going to play? What's going on? Everybody thought the Lightning were going to be well-rested, ready to go. I myself thought they were going to win this game. Not so fast. The Rangers win 6-2. to two. This was supposed to be a battle of the goaltenders. Vasilevsky versus Shesterkin. Grizzled veterans. Good defenses. Very, very composed play. One team played that way, Tim. One goaltender played good. What happened with Tampa Bay? Was it a little bit of rust? I don't think it was. What's going on with the Lightning, Tim? 
No, I think I think the rust had definitely had something to do with it. They did not look like themselves. Vasilevsky didn't look right. The Rangers were just humming along all night long and they basically continued what they started in Game 7 against the Hurricanes. So I think, you know, that every year we have the argument of, of rust versus refs, which is better, which one sets you up better for, for success. And last night it looked like, like rust and rest was not the – not the answer because the lightning just didn't look like it. And I think they'll be back though. Like you said, this is a team that is never out of it. I think they're probably the better team than the Rangers still, even though they lost five to two last night. So I think they'll come back. But last night uh, in the other game, it was definitely the Rangers. Yeah. The Rangers executed perfectly. And I tell you what, I said it at the beginning of this playoffs. I said, the Rangers could be dangerous. If that third line, that'll be the X factor. And I don't want to say I told you so. They looked really good, Tim. They look strong. The kid line, they call them. Chittle, Kako, and Lafreniere. I was saying this on the Oilers podcast yesterday, too. If you could throw out a third line, and it consists of a first overall pick, a second overall pick, and I don't know where Chittle falls in his draft, but he, he seems like he's a high pick because he's really, really good out there. If you can look that up, Tim, that would be excellent. But if you can throw out those three guys in your third line, that's dangerous, man. What's Chittle? He was a first-round pick, 21st overall. It's pronounced Heedle. Chittle. Whatever, Heedle. It's three first-rounders in your third line. It's a dangerous third line, and they're showing their talent. They're showing their skill level. They're, they're controlling the play in the zone. They're skating circles, and they've been mostly lined up against either the fourth line with Belmar and Patrick Maroon or the second line with Paul Pilat and Kalorn. They're skating circles around these guys. They have more skill. They have more talent, and at this point, they have a little bit more jump. They're young kids. They're getting in on the forecheck. They're not afraid to get their nose dirty. They're playing fantastic, Tim. And they're the reason they won last game. Yes, I know Panarin had a fantastic goal. Zabinajad had a fantastic goal. Kreider had a fantastic goal for Pete's sake. The stars are scoring for the Rangers. The scary thing is they don't have to. They don't have to score. This third line played so incredibly good that that line themselves could have willed them to a win. I don't know. I might have been underselling this New York Rangers team. I knew they had a chance. I knew they had a chance. But now, after that game one, and I know you can't read too much in a game one. I know you can't just give up on the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the way Shesterkin played, the way the Rangers are just as a five-man unit controlling the offensive zone, it's impressive. The third, the second Heedle goal, Fox keeps the puck in at the blue line. It's a game-winning goal. He snags it out of midair, gives it over to somebody, works its way around the zone. Miller has it on the off boards. I slowed this play down. I'm like, who's playing point? It was Lafreniere was the high guy. He was the defenseman. Fox was in front of the net. Miller was at the half wall. If you're Tampa Bay and you're trying to defend this, it's impossible. It's impossible. Your forward is not going to go in front of the net with Fox. Your defenseman is not going to go to the point with Lafreniere. It causes such chaos in the defensive zone. And if you're comfortable enough to do this in the playoffs, in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, when you're 21, 22 years old, oh boy, they're, they're a dangerous team, Tim. This, this back end, they are going to be good for a long time. Like they are, they are just getting started when you got Fox, 
when you got Miller, when you got Schneider, when you got Lindgren, when you have all these good players, the Rangers have set themselves up for success down the road. It's scary. And not to mention X Factor himself, Scott Stevens, Jacob Truba, they are a very, very good team. And all these guys are 22, 24, 24. They're young guys. They know how to make plays. They're not nervous. And they looked good last night. And you contrast that with the Tampa Bay Lightning coming into the series. I thought Tampa Bay had the edge on the back end. Not, maybe not a lot, but they looked bad. They looked really bad. The first goal, you mentioned it, Bogosian. What is he doing there, Tim? What is he doing on the first goal? Break, break down his. And it's, whoa, just tell everybody what you think. Yeah, so two-on-one, basically, kind of a two-on-two. Um, McDonough stood someone up at the red line, and he got his guy, but the puck goes by him. I'm not really blaming him for it, but you got the forward trailing advantage ad, and Bogosian is going toward the corner, basically. Bogosian, like, just skates off to the corner and leaves Kreider by himself in front of the net. And he sort of goes down, but not in a way that you take away the pass. Like, if you're doing that, you have to be dang sure that you're taking that pass away. And he didn't. It was a weird break. And from, like, a, a defensive defenseman, a responsible veteran defenseman to make a play like that, leaves Kreider all alone in front of the net. I thought it was really strange. I don't know, I don't know why he did that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The Rangers are good. Like it's a pinch. It's a two on one. Maybe he thinks Kucherov can't get there, but he doesn't even take the lane for the pass. It's just, he, he was, he, he was out to lunch. He didn't know where the, he didn't know where Kreider was. He didn't trust Kucherov, but then he puts a stick in the wrong spot. Like Kreider's not back door. Kreider slows up and he's just sitting right in the high, high slot there. It was a great play. It was a great play by Zabinijad. It was a great play by Kreider. The guy is continuing to score. He's not slowing down. He got 53 in the regular season. I don't know how many he has in the playoffs now, maybe eight, nine, 10. He's still tearing it up. Gosh, the Rangers look good, Tim. The Rangers look really good. Tampa Bay's defense didn't look good. McDonough gets caught out of position quite a bit. Bogosian didn't look strong. They were turning the puck over. They didn't look fast. It's not good. Do you think Vasilevsky had a strong game? Do you think he's feeling good about himself? <laughs> I don't know if we've seen him look this bad. And, and I don't know how long. I mean, he let up three entire three goals the entire series last time against the best offense in hockey, and now he's letting in six in one game. It doesn't really – it doesn't track. And again, could be rust, but I don't, it's hard to pull too much judgment out of this game after one game, but didn't look good. That snipe to Vetrano, all alone in the slot. Yeah, just a couple of seconds to pull it off. He's got a heavy, heavy shot and the quick release, and Vasilevsky basically never saw it. He didn't even and touch they- it. And that's why I don't want to blame Vasilevsky's too much. Vetrano's shots upstairs. Panarin's shot. He almost boomeranged. Panarin's shot. There's not a lot of people in the NHL that can do that. He picks the puck up and in one motion boomerangs it. And I think it's on its side. That's why he gets so much whip action. So it's like laying flat against his blade. And he almost lacrosse style rips it into the net. The Zabinijad goal is upstairs. Like these are good goals that I don't think he had many chances. Kreider, you're not going to save that. There's not many goalies that even get across for that. So I'm not like throwing Vasilevsky out and saying he's a bad goaltender, but we're used to him making those saves. We're used to him coming across, making highlight reel saves and saving the day for the lightning when he's needed. You compound that with the defensive misplays of their defense. You compound that with the forwards being out of sorts. This is not the Tampa Bay team we saw versus Florida. I don't know if that's because they're rusty, the Rangers were forcing them into the mistakes, or maybe the Panthers were just that bad. Who knows? But I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis here and say the Tampa Bay Lightning are done. They will adjust. The players will get better. It will be a more tightly contested game too. But just from an instant first reaction the Rangers looked really good 
They didn't look like they were out of place. They didn't look like the worst team. Shesterkin was great. He was as billed. He had a lot of grade A five-star fire sale saves that he had no business making, and he looked composed. There was one play where the puck comes out to Kucherov in the sod. He's all alone. Most goalies in that situation would stay back in their net. Smith did it all night. That's why he got beat so many times where it's just like he's relying on his reflexes. He's a 41-year-old goalie. They're maybe not there. He's not quick enough. Shesterkin comes right out. By the time Kucherov gets the shot off, Shesterkin is like, I want to say four feet from him. He he comes that far out of his paint. And it just is a routine save. It hits him in the chest and he eats it up. He's sticky. He is confident in his net. He is playing the puck well. He is seeing the puck well. If he's like that, and the defense is playing that confident, and the forwards are buzzing like they are, this is going to be a great series. I think it goes to seven because I think Tampa Bay gets their ish together. But boy, oh boy, the Rangers showed me a lot. Their power play keeps clicking. Like I said, I don't want to Nostradamus here. If their power play is clicking, if Truba plays well, and Shusterkin is kicking like he's been kicking, the Rangers will win this series. So, I don't know. Game two predictions, Sim. Let's get to it. Is there anything else in this series you want to touch on just about after game one? No, no. It's like you said, credit to Shusterkin. I think there was a, a crowd chant at the end of the game to, to Vasilevsky saying Igor's better, yeah. uh, which I love. I love that kind of stuff. So, game two tonight, what do you think? Game two, Rangers-Lightning. I, I think the Lightning have a bounce-back game. I, I predicted they were going to split, and I'm going to stick with my prediction. I think the Lightning will bounce back. Vasilevsky never loses two games in a row in the playoffs. That's, that's, that's his MO. He might lose one. He never loses two. Tampa Bay's too good of a team. They're well-coached. I think they bounce back. Kucherov plays well. That third line with Hall or Paul Hagel, and um, they got to play better. That, that, I can't remember the third guy on that line. Uh, it's escaping me. It's Colton. Colton Hagel, they need to be better. That that core didn't play well last game. They were out of position. They got caught up in scrums. They were falling down at times. It was just like, let's go. We got to be better. So I think Tampa Bay bounces back with the big win. What do you think? I do too. I do too. I, yeah, we don't see Vasilevsky losing two in a row like that. I think this team's got too much experience to, to fall twice in a row. Um, they don't want to go back home down to nothing. So I like them to, to split the series here. And I think I'll put some money tonight on points bet for that. You got to go to points bet. You can go to go there anytime you want points, bet Ontario, it's fantastic. Tim uses it. He's making hand over fist money with points, bet. who do you got in the abs oiler game coming tomorrow night? He's eating, <laughs> he's eating meat every single meal for Pete's sake. You know, he's got money. How do you think I afford all this protein? It's my winnings. Uh, yes, he, he makes meat and just throws it in the garbage. Cause he just got so much money. Yeah, a little bit of a flex. I think, I don't know. I the think... garbage man's like, whoa, this guy's doing well. <laughs> yeah, he must have a podcast. Um, I think, honestly, abs. I think the abs going up 3 nothing. I do. Yeah, I, I can't fault you for that. I, I want this to be a series. So I'm taking I the Oilers. Too. Koskinen's going to be a net. McDavid will find some space. They're going to go back to the juggernaut. Nu- nuclear option, put those three guys back together. They put up three, four goals, and they, they figure out a way to slow down the avalanche. So I'm taking the Oilers, crossing my fingers that we're going to have a series in the West because it could get ugly and it could be over fast. And it, it could just be a situation where Colorado's just sitting for a week and a half waiting for the Eastern conference to finish up because the East is going deep. These are two good teams in the East. The West talked about it all season long. 
The West is weak. They had, we said one or two good teams. I always saw Calgary, Calgary, Colorado, sorry, two or three, maybe good teams. It's proving itself to be true. Colorado it was a man amongst boys in that conference. I thought Calgary was with them. Obviously not. Every other team was just garbage. And Edmonton, I hope, can make this a series, Tim. All right. We talked about this before the show. Last question. There are four teams left in the, in the playoffs. Is Edmonton Oilers a top four team in the National Hockey League? No. Not, not even close. No. They're not even a top seven team in the NHL. No. What do, you, do you think they're a top four team? No, but I mean, you got to give them, I mean, they're here, right? Give them credit. They're not a top four. Okay. Are they better than, let's, let's look at some teams. Are they better than Toronto? No. Are they better than Carolina? No. (laughs) Are they better than Florida? Uh, No. Are they better? And then here's where it gets tricky. Are they better than Pittsburgh? Yeah, they're they're the same as Pittsburgh and a Boston, Washington. They're probably better than Washington, right? Because there's but, a, there's a plethora of teams in the East that I don't think they even touch. Like Tampa, Toronto, Florida, no, no, no. Rangers, Carolina, no. Pittsburgh is on the bubble. Colorado, no. So they're 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 a top eight team in my mind. So. Yeah, and they just lucked out and got in the Pacific Division. I said it before. They played L.A. first. Calgary, who knows what happened. They had a brain fart, and that whole series, they were bad. Now they walked into the Western Conference Final. What about St. Louis? Again, they might not be better than St. Louis. Minnesota, like, they played well. They played well versus Calgary. I'll give them that. There you go. I don't know. What else you want me to say? I don't want to dump on them. They're in the Western Conference Finals. you got to give them their props. They played well. They, they're here. Everybody in Edmonton's ecstatic because they made it to the third round. Now they're going to get just beat by a very good team, a good hockey team, without their starting goaltender, oddly enough. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. Go out, make a difference, have some fun, maybe have a couple pops by the, by the beach. I don't know where you are, but enjoy it. It's going to be beautiful. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.